So you may have heard the word deconstruction. If you haven't heard that word, we're going to be talking about it a lot at Cross Timbers. So many of us have questions about our faith, but we don't want anyone to know that we have those questions. And I love that it's going to become a conversation that we can engage in, hopefully in public and not just in private at the coffee shops, but in our offices, in the broader, quote, marketplace, and on our stage here at Cross Timbers. So today, Spoonie, Ross, Glenn, and I talk about what deconstruction is in terms of our faith and how we can feel more open and less ashamed about having the conversation. And here we are. Hey, hey. you guys ready? Yes, sir. So, Glenna, do you feel totally blessed and celebrated after yesterday? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, we had so much fun. There's nothing better than being with our children and our grandchildren. And then, like, my mom got to join Mm. us. Like, it was a good day. So, for people tuning in, we're post, we're one day after Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Uh, Ross, what did y'all mm-hmm. do around your house? You take care of Michelle? I did, yeah. And Micah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michelle, I uh, put a little sound machine on so she could sleep in while the girls were running around Aww. crazy <laughs> outside. And uh, yeah, and then my mom got to come over for dinner. We got to have a little fajitas and hang out Yum. with her. So it was super good. fun. Yep. Good. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Booty, what'd y'all do? Oh, man, we had a good time, you know, just celebrating the mothers. So it's a really cool thing when... Everyone in our family, they're kind of close, you know, the, yeah. all the ladies that are mothers. So yeah. we got together and just had fun. And we had uh, my wife's cousin was in. It was like her birthday slash Mother's Day mm-hmm. from California. So mm-hmm. um, she was with us. So we just, just had cool. a ball, just had a lot of fun. Did you do the dishes after? Uh, well, <laughs> we, we went out to dinner. Okay. <laughs> so essentially I paid for someone else to do it. Uh, nice. <laughs> so we, right. we were trying to uh, surprise Jamie. I was trying to. And so first surprise, Christian showed up at church Sunday morning. So nice. that was so cool. And he brought her some roses. So that was her probably biggest surprise. Mm. But she thought because, you know, Jamie's got the birthday on Tuesday, right? So it's always double whammy. Mm-hmm. So Mother's Day and birthday yeah. on May 11th. So we, she knew we were going to celebrate as a family on Tuesday night. So she thought she wasn't going to get to see Chan Ryan and Baby Rue. Mm. Of course, she wants to see Baby Rue every freaking day. <laughs> of course. And uh, so I'd worked out with Chan. They were going to come over uh, Sunday and surprise her. Well, so I had the brilliant idea to show Jamie a text on my phone Sunday morning, and she saw Chandler <laughs> say, hey, looking forward to the surprise tonight. And oh I didn't even gosh. think that that was there. Oh I was showing gosh. another one. So she still acted surprised. What I did, I thought, you know what, how can I still act like that was the surprise? So I pulled out my laptop, and I said, okay, we're going to get on Zoom. And so we went outside, and I acted like I was pulling up a Zoom call, and Jamie's Totally looking down the street. She wasn't buying the, the screen. And here they come. Honk, honk, honk. Anyway. She's been, so she's been married time. to you for too long to know. Too long. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. So, we're going to, this time will fly today. We're going <clears> to <throat> talk about deconstruction. So, uh, and, and it's funny. So, we started talking at breakfast the other day about right. deconstruction. And, and you had a great idea, Glenn. You said, why don't we just repeat that conversation? Absolutely. And, uh, so we're going to try to do that today, but it's just, it's a huge conversation. And so y'all know me and my brain. It's like, where do we start? And exactly. you know, which path are we going to go down? And I think, so first, before we define like what is deconstruction right. or, or for our purposes, like 
what does it mean to us and the way people are using it. First, I think we should just start, why are we even talking about it as a church, right? And I mean, the church at large, and then why aren't we talking about it at Cross Timbers? So does anybody want to answer that, why you think we're now talking about deconstruction? Well, I mean, I think the the we'll probably, after the message that is preached that, that this podcast follows, you'll hear the stat about the number of people that are leaving the church and yeah. not identifying as Christians anymore. And I think that deconstruction is a part of that conversation. So that's why I think it's come to the surface and why it's important to to talk about. And yeah, that's that's what I would yeah. say to start us off. Yeah, exactly. So so the healing place, we've dealt with mental health for a long time, but then mm-hmm. all of a sudden in the church, uh, even pre-COVID, but especially during COVID, we started talking about mental health because of the anxiety and depression and the fear and the unknown and the uncertainty and all the election stuff. And so... It, it was good to have already kind of had a seat on that bus, right? Mm-hmm. Being a mental health right. provider uh, here through the healing place. And I feel like in some ways we've already had been having the conversation about deconstruction for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the points I want to make is, but I think, yeah, we are going to start having it more mm-hmm. in uh, public, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and having the conversation not be the private only one-off Ross and I, or at Starbucks, Glenn and I, maybe we're going to start doing it from the platform in public, you know, mm-hmm. imagine that. And yeah. so, so Ross, I mm-hmm. think the stat that was the, uh, I literally had one of our leaders text me kind of this alarmed, uh, text after he found out that the latest Barner research showed mm-hmm. that 47% of people in the U.S. are identifying as Christians. So I should say only 47% now people consider themselves Christians. And so we're seeing this dramatic, dramatic decline, right? And um, I think I used to, I, I was, I've told Toby for a long time, you know, people didn't need an excuse not to come to church. And now with COVID, they had one, mm-hmm. right? And people are people are coming back, and they're coming in, in person. But a lot of people just we see the decline in church membership or church attendance, right? And now we're seeing a decline in people that even consider themselves Christians. And so, why do y'all think that is? Let's start there. Why do you think people are not following Christianity anymore, or saying that they are believers, quote unquote, anymore? What's happened? So I, I have a little bit of a theory. Yeah, okay. Um, I like when I look at the generation behind us or maybe even to like our children, mm-hmm. they have experienced so many things from 9-11 to looking at our government. Can I trust my government? Can I trust authority? Things like that. I think it's just been a natural response to can I trust church leadership? Can I trust religion. Um, but I also think they're looking for something more. They're looking to experience God, not just words on paper anymore, but they want to experience this love of God that we talk about. Yeah. And yeah. so I think they're, um, and this is just me, like, <laughs> um, I think they're trying to find that balance. They're witnessing some things even in the church of like, let's say abuse in families and where mm-hmm. the victim has to forgive mm-hmm. is probably the tenant that 
is seen versus like, how do you hold somebody accountable who's doing the abusing? And what does that look like? So how, where's their congruency between this God of love and religion? And how does it fit? How do I see something I can trust and lean into? Um, That's one idea. So yeah, yeah, the erosion. So what I heard in there, several things, uh, but the erosion of trust in authority mm-hmm. and institutions, right? right? Or institutional authority. This right. is just, just like the cynicism, the skepticism. It's like, man, you know, they've seen one too many scandals come out. It's like, oh, okay. And are we going to believe this anymore? Right. Are we going to believe? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, if I don't believe the representative or the mm-hmm. leader, right? Mm-hmm. Can I even believe this whole thing? Is the whole thing. And so this whole, I think you'll hear us a lot, maybe use the expression, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? right? <laughs> so anybody else have a, have a theory or, or ideas about what's happened and why people are jumping ship? Yeah, yeah. I've got, I think that, uh, you know, when you talk about deconstruction, when we didn't really get to that definition, but some of the thoughts that I have around that is that when the, the, what I see is the conversation around deconstruction is happening happening primarily in evangelical circles, so evangelical Christian circles, which is a small subset of Christianity, which is mm-hmm. a small subset of religion, which is mm-hmm. you know can keep going from there. And uh, so it's getting a lot of focus because it's affecting the churches that we have been a part of, that we grew up in. Yep. Um, whereas maybe someone who's listening didn't grow up in an evangelical church, so this is something that they don't understand or that doesn't maybe is not even on people's radar because uh, it is in a small, you know, sector of of faith. Uh, and so, and you know, Barna I think is has focused on evangelical churches and evangelical Christians a lot too. So I don't know specifically that that stat and if it applies to Protestant. You know, or just even just, whatever. I, but but I do think that that's a big part of the conversation, and it's a lot of you know people my age and younger who grew up in the evangelical church who are now not considering themselves Christians anymore. Uh, but when we talk about deconstruction and you talk about people leaving the church, I think that um, deconstruction happens to everybody in in and not just around faith. Like mm-hmm. the ideas that you grow up yes. with change and mold and, mm-hmm. and flex and mm-hmm. adapt and you have to relearn things and re-experience things. And to me, that's what deconstruction is. It's as it, as it, as it applies to faith, it's maybe unlearning some things and reimagining things when you talk about the reconstruction process, which I'm sure we'll get to, but that about God and about your faith and about what things you hold close to you. Um, so I think that happens about, you know, what I thought parenting was going to be like, what I thought adulthood was going to be like, what I thought working was going to be like, all of those things. There's been a deconstruction of the expectations I had and what the reality is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think the same is true in faith. And, uh, and so I think the, like, that's another reason why we're talking about it as a church is because we are an evangelical church and now this deconstruction thing is happening within our walls and people are leaving our churches and that's why it's getting a lot of focus and light shined on it. And that's why right. I, I, I agree that what, what uh, Ross just said because it's a vast difference in talking about the church than being the church. Mm-hmm. And so now in deconstruction, we're realizing that now mm-hmm. 
we can't just stand back as my grandparents and parents did right. from the hmm. stage and the platform or the pulpit. <laughs> Someone may laugh about that. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, wow, yeah, that's way pit. back. I think I, right. <laughs> I think yeah. you said it. Yep. So, and just in so many words, in this generation, it's go bark orders. Mm-hmm. Now you see people like our pastor, Toby, and you see us out there serving the community, grabbing a box and saying, this is me preaching. Yeah. And throwing it in a car that does not know where their next meal is coming from, but the church has just provided. Yeah. So I when you see that. that, that's that deconstruction is happening. Yeah. And that conversation and people are going, like I heard um, the statement made this week uh, talking about this without knowing that this was going to be our podcast, literally go, wow, so, so that's the church now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I going, love that. It was always mm-hmm. the church when you yeah. really read the gospel yeah. and you read the word. Well, yeah. I, so, I want to go back to what he said because mm-hmm. I think Ross brought up a good point that I think would help us with our reframing how we look at deconstruction because I agree 100%. I think this is a developmental um, mm-hmm. thing or a stage that we go through just like developmentally as little kids we grow and how you were saying that, you know, how you look at parenting or even leaving home and how you process and look at like, what's it going to look like to go to college or pay my own bills, those types of things and how you grow through it. I think looking through that lens of it's a developmental stage instead of something scary, Yeah. but it's something we can embrace. It's like, this is part of growing up. This is a part of growing spiritually Yeah. Yeah. that we need to do. And I love the word reconstruction that he offered too, is mm -hmm. that it's not just like leave your faith. It's like, am I going to look at the tenets of faith? Am I going to evaluate them and uh, dig into them and say, what do I believe and why do I believe this? Yeah. How do I embrace it? Yeah. Yeah, so assigning, so when you look at this literary, you know, deconstruction, there's the text and meaning, and the meaning you assign to text, right? And it's changing that. It's it's like when you when you assign a new meaning to something, right? And I think, so you hit at the essence of what I, we want to talk about. It's like mm-hmm. people assigning new meaning to things that they've been taught yeah. or things that they've mm-hmm. read, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Things that they've heard, right? And so, and... So one critique of religion versus science when in this conversation is science wants to be proven wrong, right? They're mm-hmm. looking for new things to, to pr- disprove things that they believed. And if, if a fact comes out, they want to believe the new thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the critique has been religion doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Religion right. ignores yeah. any new developments, any new insight, any new learning, any uncovering. It's like because we've invested so much... Maybe time, maybe money, maybe history. But I think at its essence, the reason why it is scary, our souls are at stake. Mm-hmm. Some people still believe like their, their eternity is at stake here, mm-hmm. right? When I say some people, um, I think we all want to know our eternity is secure, mm-hmm. right? If we've believed that we're going to be with God and our loved ones forever, right, in heaven... We, we don't want to ever be disproven of that, right? right? And so it can be scary when things that we've thought and believed our entire lives and when our souls are at stake, I just think that's the highest stakes there are. I think that can be really, really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so when ideas start to change or we start to assign new meaning, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so, so in this conversation, 
and I'm glad you did bring up a reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what happens is, one is, people don't talk about the thing that happens to everyone. Mm. Yeah. It's happening to them, and they're not in the conversation about deconstruction. They're just thinking, I don't know if I believe this anymore. I don't know if I believe this anymore. This hasn't been my experience. Here's what they're teaching about prayer, but here's been my experience about prayer. Here, um, here's what I've been taught to, to believe about, like an axe head floating back in the Old Testament, but I've never seen an axe head float. Maybe they've never even seen a miracle, right? And so I don't know if I believe that anymore. So this natural process where people start to question things and critically think for themselves. Um, so yeah, it does happen. We were kind of suffering in silence. We're not talking about it out loud, mm-hmm. right? So right. we've right. never had a place to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a big part of it is I'm just mm-hmm. glad we're finally mm-hmm. open. Well, and again, open to the conversation. Why aren't we having the conversation? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you're going to judge me. You're going to call me a blasphemer, mm-hmm. a, a heretic, somebody, a non-believer. Mm-hmm. Are you in danger of losing your soul, mm-hmm. losing your faith? Mm-hmm. Are you an agnostic? Are you atheist? Mm-hmm. Right? Those are the questions. And so I'm not going to tell you the doubts or questions that I've had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I was just thinking too, just about, uh, you know, I think depending on how you grew up and this is very unique and specific to your experience, but a lot of times I think the deconstruction um, kind of loop or the the fear that comes is, well, if I question that, then I also have to question this. Mm-hmm. And if I can't believe that, that must mean I have to throw the baby out. With it's a slippery water. slope. It's a slippery slope. That's so, what I've been taught my ooh, whole life exactly. when I start to question. When I, in junior high school, Literally, I, I, I think I was sixth grade. I went to mom and dad. I said, okay, so wait, God is all-knowing, right? He's all-powerful. Mm-hmm. He's all-loving, mm-hmm. right? And he's omniscient. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the, the all-knowing part. So it's like, if you know that you're going to create a world, and if you look at the sheeps and the goats, the way we were taught that passage, that parable, um, that the majority of these people that you create and love are going to go to hell in eternity, eternally burn and torment and, and be tortured. You knew that, 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 man, God sounds mean, Mm -hmm. right? So that was a question. And basically that question got shut down. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what do you do with that question and other questions like it, yeah. right? So when I say suffer in silence, what we've found in the healing place is a lot of people who come in in our offices sitting mm-hmm. one-on-one with us, when, it's, when we give them permission to be honest about their faith, we're finding they've deconstructed. Mm-hmm. Like they have deconstructed. And it wasn't something, in other words, they've changed their ideas about the meaning of God and faith in the Bible. Right. They don't know if they believe certain things anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And they they want to know from someone that that's okay. We still love you. Let's get on this journey together of discovery and learning and questioning. Mm-hmm. And God, can God still love you mm-hmm. when you're earnestly seeking truth about Him mm-hmm. and about the way things are, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we've just found that a lot of people, right, they have already deconstructed. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, um, Jamie came to me 
during my process and my mm -hmm. journey that I think we're all still on. And she said, okay, so Brian, we're, we're following you. Like you're leading our family spiritually. We know what you don't believe anymore. What do you believe? Mm -hmm. This was a huge life, like <laughs> pivot, like pivotal moment for me in my, my walk, in my leadership, in my, honestly, my intimacy, spiritual intimacy with my wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was like, wow. So I've been <clears throat> telling her what all this enlightenment I've had through my study and my research and my podcasts and all yeah. that about what I don't believe. What do you believe? So it was basically, I, nobody chooses, wakes up and says, I'm going to deconstruct today. It's just, <laughs> if you're honest, you just realize what you just don't believe anymore, right? Or some new meaning that you've got that the people around you, your peers or your community, they haven't assigned that new meaning to this, to, to the Bible or the way you view the Bible, mm -hmm. let's say, or a scripture or a parable or a story. And so I thought I need to be vocal about, and don't be smug about what I don't believe mm. and be enlightened and be, I need to get about the business of reconstruction. Mm -hmm. I need to start mm -hmm. believing something, right? Well, here's the, the thing. If you've thrown out this, well, why do you believe this anymore? And if you, you understand that this may not be true, how is this true? And are you not cherry picking? So what I'm finding is people need a framework, like a new framework on which to reconstruct, because a lot of them don't believe in the authoritative word of God anymore because they've read books about how the Bible was put together, right? Or they don't believe it's inspired anymore, the inspiration of scripture, because they've seen that there's other types of literary devices used in the Bible, mm -hmm. not just these are literal words. How about allegory and illusion and simile and symbolism and metaphor, parable, proverb, psalms, right? These are all different humor, <laughs> things that were used in the Bible that we took literally. And they'd go to some conference or read some scholar, literally some scholarship. Maybe yeah. it's, it's Jewish, um, you know, rabbinical teachings from the first century. And they go, wait a minute, like, this is not even what they intended for this to mean. Mm -hmm. And why do we now, all these years later, why did we ever start believing this? And we, you find out that maybe in the last two, 300 years, we started believing certain things about it. And, but then when I go back to the first century viewing or understanding of that, let's say that passage, that scripture, now I'm a heretic. Mm -hmm. So I'm just glad we're having this conversation because people are having it internally. Yeah. Peter Rollins says we all have a, a disavowed level of unbelief going on. Okay. Disavowed level of unbelief. So I've got some unbelief, but I can't say it out loud. Right. right. Or, or, or let's just say it's not even about saying it out loud or not. It's just this internal conflict. Well, we pray for healing, but I still take my kid to the doctor. Mm -hmm. We pray for God's protection, but we still put a lightning rod on the steeple. Mm-hmm. It's that, and we know all that. So we have this little, this level of, hmm, so what's, what's the truth about all this stuff going on? And so the research is out, people are quitting us, <laughs> and we need to be open about it and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is when you engage in the conversation, you find out, wow, there's a lot more agnosticism and atheism sitting in our pews than we ever knew. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I believe that's because of religion and what has been taught. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you think about it now, when you when you have children, there's things that at four and five years old when they were doing those things, you go, hey, stop that. Well, daddy, why? Because I said so. Now, fast forward eight years when they're 13, and you go, dad, hey, don't do that. Well, dad, why? What What is the reason that I can't? And now you got to explain it to them. Because why? They have peers they're going to school with. They have all these things now that's starting to challenge your authority. And so Glenn brought up authority. So the church now, because people have gone through the vicissitudes of life Mm -hmm. and the hard turbulent and the hit parts of life that we're hearing in our conversations with them. And guess what? The church, (laughs) because of that deconstruction process that I believe God was doing, why? Because the church was taking the credit mm-hmm. when all the glory has to belong to him. And so therefore, because we are here for his purpose, so there is a church that's in his mind that we're supposed to look like. And there's a lot of people you can't come unless you dress like this, look like this, mm-hmm. talk like this, mm-hmm. have this. And so you got those people that were going, well, I'm not going to go to that church because... I don't have this, and I don't believe I got to do this and do that and do this and do that to have Christ or to have God. Well, these problems are coming and sitting across from us, and I just had one a few weeks ago that goes, well, I'm just struggling right now with that disbelief in there. Mm-hmm. Why would God do this to me? Mm. <laughs> and I, in that moment, I have to be the church and go, he still loves you, and he's not mad at you. Right. Well, no, wait a minute. I was taught that I can't question God. I said, okay, when did you question him? They said exactly when it happened. I said, well, did you fall dead? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You didn't get zapped, did you? No. You're right here still alive. So God is okay with you questioning him. So what am I saying? In essence, the church has not been able to point people back to an experience with God. Because why religion was set up. That once you come and do all these things, you're safe. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's okay, and, it, and you're all right. Well, now we're living in a life where all of that has been challenged. Even when you were saying right now, yeah. even in the pulpit. Come yeah. on, guys, we're gonna talk about it and be real. Authority has been questioned because there has been sin in the platform. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so people go, well, well, what chance do I have? <laughs> If yeah. the leadership is struggling with, you know what I'm saying. So, well, I, I, everything you're saying, bless bless our hearts. I think yeah. if 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 I think that the Great Commission says go and make disciples, yes. baptizing them, and they need to believe, and so proselytizing, you know, the bird's eye view. Growing up, mm-hmm. is something you may not even. It's like I gotta I gotta figure out a, a smart, quick, easy way to share the gospel, mm-hmm. so I can make a convert, so I can make a believer, help you believe something that I think is ultimately important and life-changing, right? And again, if your soul is at stake for eternity, I earnestly want you to be a believer. So why in the world would I say, it's okay to doubt? In the world, what I want to talk about deconstruction, give permission for people to doubt. And there's there's this fear in ourselves that when people bring up a good question, especially you watch if somebody, (laughs) if you ask a good question and somebody acts really angry... 
It's like, <laughs> oh yeah. Why'd you get so angry over that? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's because you're bringing up the level that yeah. disavowed level unbelief in them, mm. right? Yeah. It's and and um, yeah. It's like you got me. I don't have an answer. So <laughs> let me right. be really angry and shut you down. Mm-hmm. And and it's. I, I don't know if I've said this on a previous podcast. I think so. You know, when you have a faith challenge or a faith crisis, and you realize God loves you, yes. He knows your heart. Yes. Does His grace not cover questions or right. doubt or misunderstandings or misinterpretations? Yes. Like I'm trying the best I can, right? Right. And when you realize, wow, I don't have to fear God and His punishment and His judgment. It's like. It, and some people right there, I heard in my ear, yeah, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Yeah, I heard but the same fearing, thing. <laughs> but fearing, but okay. What's the fear? The respect, the reverence, yes. the awe. Yes. Not, I think he's going to strike me right. dead yes, for sir. having a question. Yes, and see, here's the neurosis. It, like, yeah. we have it anyway. Yeah. We had the question. We had the doubt. Again, right. I didn't try to. It's like, uh, I just woke up with it. Or it's been my experience. It's yes. been, or, or again, and I love the three-legged stool, Right. So scripture, experience, and tradition, mm-hmm. okay? But if we dig into all those things, not just our interpretation of scripture, mm-hmm. even, I mean, your your own experience is, is happening, yes. it's changing, it's evolving. And tradition, when you look back and you see some of the crap mm-hmm. that was infused yes. in into yes. tradition that you yes, inherited, but then you also see the good yeah, and the absolutely. wisdom and all the stuff, it's like... You got to go in and discern that and parse things yeah. and and get about reconstruction. Yes. One of the things I heard Toby say, so this is cool because he he already said it. Mm-hmm. He talked about he started talking about the healing place on a Sunday and it's cool cuz he went to these conversations about faith that we have and how we're actually helping people instead of you need to come believe like us and right. then you can come in. It's it's the 21-year-old atheist that I talked to that wanted me to read a book entitled Why I Became an Atheist, right? Mm-hmm. And I read the book, and I engaged with him about a great discussion about this person who was a seminary-trained evangelist, right, Christian, and studying himself into disbelief. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of these questions that he had, yeah, I've had them. We've all had them. If we're honest, yeah. that's the thing. But it was this... Well, I would say, even if I believed 95 or agreed with 95% of that book, that last little 5%, there's no God, <laughs> I, I just couldn't go there, right? And there's, there's many reasons I couldn't. But because the dialogue and the relationship that I developed with this kid, he is a strong believer, strong, strong believer yes. to now, right? But it wasn't because I told him, you're lost and going to hell, and you got to believe, especially not like, you know, you got to believe like me and how I was raised. Um Fundamentalism. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to talk about... So fundamentalist Christianity. A lot of us grew up in a fundamentalist, mm-hmm. like, here is the way to do it. We've got it all figured out. Everyone who doesn't believe like us and our doctrine, they're going to hell. We've figured it all out. And here are the rules, and here's the strict code, and here's the doctrine, like I said, and you follow it. Well, um, I heard someone say that people who like deconstruct from fundamentalism weren't the people who didn't believe enough. They were, they were the people who believed too much. Mm. <laughs> like, they believed it all the way, and then they were disappointed. Mm. Like, I thought this, and I thought this. So a lot of things, I think, we have been sold, if you will, a bill of goods, not because Santa Claus is really your parents, but because 
we've been taught that Scripture says something that it doesn't say, right? Or it was never intended to say. And that's what's really interesting about, about yeah. man, if you, if you go in and start reading um, scholarship, I'm not claiming to be a scholar, but when I listen to scholars or read scholars about first century Christianity, it's eye-opening. Like, it's incredible. Now, the, the, the question is, when I have something that comes against my 40, let's say 40-year-old 40 belief, will I change it if I have my eyes open? Or will I double down and, and, and dig in with my confirmation bias, right? And totally, you know, like, I don't want to hear it. I want to believe what I've always believed, mm. right? I think that's what our tendency is. To, to do the confirmation bias, right? Mm -hmm. To see mm -hmm. what we've always seen and to discard anything that comes against. Am I making any sense here? Y'all are looking at me like, yeah. <laughs> no, we're just <laughs> waiting for okay. the next thing you're going to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you know what? Here's the deal. This was a great broad overview. Our 30 minutes is up, and I really want to dive into this more. So yeah. let's let's call it for this one, and let's start up again on part two of deconstruction. Okay. Thank you guys. Thank this you. is good. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. So I hope you've enjoyed our conversations. Remember to like, share, follow, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And if you ever wanna to talk to someone in the Healing Place, we're here for you. Please pick up the phone and call, email, or find us on crosstimberschurch.org, The Healing Place, or find us on our Facebook page, The Healing Place Group.